0: Beautiful. All right, we're back here with the uh, Running News Podcast, episode 23. We're putting these out every couple of weeks. We're recording this one midweek, and I was a bit under the weather after a particularly hard weekend of running. Um, Kyle's back. So, Kyle, interestingly, I'd love to know about your week, what you've been up to, and uh, we said you're going to tell us a little bit about the hows and the whys and all the details about what you do through the week. And Yeah, uh, I thought, and like I said to you, I reckon this will be a good thing that I kind of
1: want to keep doing just because obviously between the coaching I do and physio work I do, I kind of get to see the mistakes everyone makes as well, which is always a good learning experience. I thought it would be interesting for people as well, not necessarily just to hear the exact runs I'm doing, but why I did certain runs on certain days and why I didn't do certain runs. And so you can kind of just see how I structure the week and why I do it, so you can kind of get my thinking, and people might get a few little lessons and, and takeaways. But before I get into that, one little thing, it's exactly a year since we started this podcast. Is it? So, it's like a one-year celebration, I think almost to the day, it was the 1st of September last year yep. that we recorded the first one, or second.
0: I think you're right. Happy first birthday. This is great. Do you remember, do you remember we where won. we did it, where we recorded the first one? I think we were out in the middle of Coomba Bar, out we in the forest, weren't we? we were one year it. ago. There we go. So one of year movies. down. I mean, I, that's right. no, Mozzies, Mozzie's everywhere, weren't they? In Cooper Bar. It must have just rained no. that weekend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One year on. But anyway, that's, right. that's good. One year down. Looking forward to the rest of them. Okay. So, what I'm going to do is kind of just run through how, like, the runs that I did over last week and then this first half of this week and why I did the way that I did it. So, obviously, at the start of last week, I was coming off the 10K race. Now, Monday morning for me is, or well, Monday's always a really easy day because I'm generally coming off a long run or a hard run or a race. So I had my normal kind of run at my GC physio group in the Monday morning, and then I actually doubled last week and went out to Narang again um, in the afternoon. And then what I did on Tuesday was normally I would do a workout on Tuesday, like I'm generally a Tuesday, Thursday or Tuesday, Friday workout, long run Sunday, um, purely because I was coming off the back of the 10K, and I'd actually felt like I pulled up quite well from that, but I could just tell that my legs were still a little bit fatigued from that. So I just ran an easy 70 minutes on the Tuesday. So that was probably the first one that I changed my week on the fly. So normally I would have just gone, oh, I feel okay, I'll do a workout on the Tuesday. Purely because I'd raced on the Sunday, I thought, no, I'm going to push that back later in the week. So I ran easy on Tuesday. Wednesday, we had our normal Wednesday walkers, which is, again, another easy day. So really my first three days of last week were all pretty easy runs purely because I was coming off the back of a hard run on the Sunday. Yep. Thursday, I'd started to feel kind of good again. So the plan was to try and get a little bit of a workout in. Um, So I met uh, Chris Littlejohn, who's down on the coast at the moment, who a few people might know. He was back down. So the plan for the session was to do 20 minutes tempo. We're then going to do a five minute jog and then six by one minute on, one minute off. And they were going to be hard. Um, So we did the 20 minutes tempo. I think we sat around 3.30 for that jog for five minutes and then we did the six by one minute on one minute off and I actually started I've liked these sessions lately to do kind of a tempo run followed by some short intervals it just teaches you to kind of get your legs ticking over a little bit quicker after a bit of a hard effort um, so I think we ended up averaging three or just under three minute pace for those six one minute intervals which was quite good um, so that was a good little session on Thursday and I reckon if I'd tried to do that on Tuesday definitely wouldn't have got that kind of session in so it was nice to wait those couple of extra days and I think that's something people can probably take away from that week is that often we try to keep jamming in workouts and stuff because oh I'm feeling all right I was pushing some hard runs and then they end up doing that too quickly they pull up sore and then one thing leads to another injuries pop up and you know they dig themselves into a bit of a hole so that was kind of my Thursday got through that actually feeling good and then Friday I took the day off I had a big day at work so That was kind of my weakest, three easy days, did my workout, took Friday off. So by the time I got to the weekend, I was feeling pretty good. And I thought, okay, I want to try and get a workout in on Saturday. What should I do? And I was tossing up a couple of different things. I wanted a kind of a longer tempo type session. And I was tossing up, do I do it on the road, do I do it on the trail? And then I was sitting there Saturday morning going through Strava and I saw Scott George's run and he'd gone out and done Goat Loop 5.0. And he was about two and a half minutes off my time on that loop. And I was like, oh, okay. Then I'm also all of a sudden I'm like, okay, what about all these other goat loops? Then we've now got 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 and 5.0. Maybe I'll go out and do something on one of these loops. So initially I had goat loop 2.0. I had the crown for that for ages. And a couple of months ago someone came down and actually took it off me. I think it's from Brisbane. I don't think any of us actually know. So I thought, okay, that's it. I'm going to go back out and try and get the goat loop 2.0 record um try and get this crown back but obviously i haven't been doing a whole lot of hills or trail stuff in the last couple of months bits and pieces but mainly doing the road and the shorter stuff so i didn't really know how i was going to feel on this but the plan was to go out and try and get this crown back so goat loop 2.0 is a touch under 10ks you get about 390 meters of elevation though so it's a decent loop and pretty much the first 4ks you're doing a lot of climbing as we found out later that weekend um So I kind of got to the top, legs felt okay, but I found, which was interesting, that last probably 5Ks back, because I haven't been doing the hills as much and I was obviously still a little bit fatigued from the race the weekend before, was I just couldn't really tick over into that next gear. So it ended up turning into kind of that tempo session on the way back where I probably wasn't running as fast as I could actually run if I was fresh, but the effort was kind of there. So I ended up running 44.20, I think, for the – 44.32, I ran for that loop. So I got the crown back by about 50 seconds. But it was one of those ones that I'm kind of going, okay, I felt like I was fit going into it and fresh, but I probably wasn't as fresh as I thought I was. And when you then look at it, I'd really done a 10K race on the Sunday before that, another good workout on the Thursday, and then another hard effort on the Saturday. So really in the space of those seven days, you've got kind of three fairly decent effort runs which, you know, if you look at them in separate weeks, you wouldn't really see that it looks like it's anything too much, but you kind of got to look back at what you've done in the previous weeks and what that training's been like to then, I suppose, reason why you felt the way you did on these runs. So although it wasn't like greatest run I've ever done, it kind of, from where I was at compared to the week before, I was pretty happy with it. And then the Sunday run, now this run was probably for me not necessarily a risky run, but it was something different to what I've kind of been doing lately. So I headed out with yourself and we went out and did the goat loop 4.0 and 2.0, which ended up being 28 Ks. But we covered, we got 1,128 metres of elevation gain. It was massive. Which was, was a massive. Run. It was a big run. And when I look back, and this is the thing, and I suppose I look back, is for me, that's a bit of a risk. Like say if I pick up a niggle or a little something in the next week or two, I'd kind of look back at that little weekend and be like, oh, that's probably where I went a little bit wrong yeah. because that elevation change for me is a lot more than I've been doing. And I got through it okay. I was definitely more sore than I normally would be because it's something different. But I suppose that's something that people can look for is, yeah, if you look at my weekly totals of kilometres, nothing really changed the last three weeks. But if you look at my elevation change, there's been Mm -hmm. a massive change in that. So that's something that people often don't look at is they look at time or distance week to week and go, oh, yeah, my Strava little chart all looks pretty even and whatnot. But sometimes if you flick it, if you are doing trail running and you flick it to your elevation gain, you'll see some massive changes and that's especially relevant. I often chat to people at work about this all the time is it's not necessarily just the distance or the volume, but the elevation change, because you'll load different parts of your body, different joints and different muscles when you're running up and downhill compared to Mm. running on the road. So even though you might feel like your volume's the same, the load on some of those specific tissues will really fluctuate depending on your terrain that you're on and the amount of hills. So that's just something for people to be aware of is, Go onto the desktop on your Strava and have a flick between time, distance and elevation gain for your weeks and have a look what your chart looks like and you'll see the differences between the two, especially elevation gain. Obviously, if you're mainly running road, it's not as relevant, but for people who mix it up between trail and road, it's really interesting to then go onto that and actually have a look at your graph for elevation gain because no one looks at it very often and I think a few people will be surprised at the differences in it. Mm -hmm. I know if I look at mine, I get a few little spikes every couple of weeks that I go back onto the trails but there's definitely some massive up and down spikes with that so it's something I just need to be aware of for me because obviously I know for me personally and everyone's going to be a bit different here that when I run on the road I generally get any niggles between kind of below my knee so calf achilles foot is the stuff that'll get a little bit sore for me before anything else because of how I run Um, I'm generally a bit more onto my midfoot forefoot plus doing yeah. the faster paces versus as soon as I go back into the trails all of a sudden. For me, it's up around kind of glutes, quads, other muscles that don't necessarily get loaded as much, all of a sudden get really sore and I know get loaded more. So you've just got to be really careful with that change between flat and hills.
0: Yeah. Um, just often go, people go back, to, um, go back to the start of last week. You said after that 10K race that we did uh, yep. about 10 days ago that you said you pulled up okays, but how did you – like this is a danger, isn't it? People pull up okay. Maybe they don't have muscle soreness. So were you feeling just general tiredness in your body from the 10k race as opposed to specific like calf soreness or or you know yeah. Yeah. Or anything like, like that? Like I had it? a
1: little bit of – and I suppose this is the thing now with all the shoes that are coming out, these kind of maximalist cushion shoes with plates in them, is I'm not really getting – like I did that 10k in the next percent and I didn't really have any soreness afterwards. I kind of felt fine. But all I tend to find after I race in those is the next day my legs just feel a little bit heavy and – like really, I'm sure I could have gone out and done a session on the Tuesday and kind of got through it okay, but it would have just been a risk for me and I just don't have any reason to take that risk at the moment. So I could just yeah. tell that my legs were a little bit heavy. Like my heart rate was probably pretty similar for the effort. So you wouldn't, like if you looked at the data, you wouldn't really know that I was fatigued. But I could just tell once you've been running for long enough, you kind of know your body and know that if you going I just don't feel right, I don't feel ready for it yet, listen to it. Most people do don't you know they've got a group session on the tuesday so they're trying to meet everyone so they kind of cram it back in but if you actually listen to your body with that you will find like whether you just wake up a little bit more tired than you normally would in the morning or your legs just feel a bit heavy those type of things is listen to it don't don't try and force the issue two days after doing a hard effort just because you know you're going to meet a group that has to do a session or you know that was on the plan you can change these things Um, and that's obviously something i try to talk to with the athletes that i coach as well is you got to listen to your body like and you've got to, your training; it's got to be a little bit adaptable versus just having to stick to a plan no matter what. Because often people do that, grind themselves into the ground, and end up with injuries and all sorts of issues, and that ends up
0: yeah. putting them out of running for for a lot longer. Yeah, and something to remember as well, isn't it, that if you have just done a race, then that obviously is the greatest workout that you can ever do. Mm-hmm. And you know, you don't want to then back up and do your normal workouts the week after because you've just you've pretty much done a workout on the weekend. And I think people sometimes forget that a race isn't just a race that it is a specialized workout and you know with all these races that are coming up now in the next couple of months as people jump back in as, the, as they come back on uh there is a danger isn't there of of really overtraining and mm-hmm. you know absolutely you workouts um i know for myself I've got, yeah. I've got a couple of races in the next few weeks so i'm i'm cutting out you know either a tuesday or a thursday or sometimes even both at the moment i think this week i'm going to do no workouts because i'm racing again on saturday so There'll be nothing on Tuesday. There'll be nothing on Thursday. There'll just be easy runs um, because Saturday is the is the workout and you got to remember yeah, that. That's exactly right. And most people do forget that. They think, oh, I'm doing all these workouts. Oh, I've
1: done my race now, but that doesn't count. That was just what all the workouts were leading up to. That was something completely separate. Yeah. Whereas, like, I feel like you said, that's probably the hardest workout you're going to do. That's why you taper for it and you're ready for yeah. it. But the same yeah. thing, I suppose, whether it's a race or it's just a really big long run or for me on the weekend it was a change to a hilly long run. I almost treated this week like I'd raced on the weekend. Like it wasn't a race. Nothing was fast. But that changed. Like I pulled up more sore from that long run than I did from the race. Yeah. So, again, I did a very similar thing than the start of this week. Obviously, it's Wednesday. Today was, again, Monday was just easy jogging. Tuesday, which normally, again, would have been a session. I was tossing up, do I do this or not? I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to stay and run easy again Tuesday today, Wednesday, again, nice, easy run. And then I'll get back into a session tomorrow. So similar to what I did last week. So again, I've kind of changed the week purely based off how I was feeling. Initially, the plan was to do a workout yesterday. And then based on how I pulled up, I was like, nah, it's, it's, I'm not going to be ready for a session on Tuesday. I'm just going to get another run in my belt. And now today I'm feeling really good and feeling fresh again and feeling ready for a workout
0: tomorrow. So those small little changes within the week can make a massive difference. Yeah. And that's where you have to be very honest with yourself as well as an athlete, don't you? You have, you have to, you know, be extremely honest with how you're feeling and be prepared and be brave enough to say, you know what, either I don't feel ready enough for this session, I'm too tired, or sometimes even the harder one for me is mid-session. You know, you might do your your warm-up 25 minutes and then maybe you've got a couple of strides or you you do your first repeat and you just know in your body that this is is not going to be a 7 out of 10 session. I'm going to be pushing 9 out of 10 here to get this session done and you've almost got to go, you know what, I have to be brave enough to say not today. I I know I'm not feeling. I've got to just pull this back, do an easy run, you know, get through this week and then reset again for the next week. I think you ha- we have to be so so careful to uh, to make sure that we don't overtrain during this period. If anything, do a little bit less, you know, drop mm-hmm. the work, the intensity a little bit, if, particularly if you're racing week after week after week. Because I think I looked at it. I've got I think I've got four, four races in the next six weeks, yeah, okay. something like that, or, or, or yep. three and five. So you know, they're big workouts, aren't they? You know, yeah, that's there. exactly right. Um, so, yeah, so apart from yourself, Kyle, uh, getting the 2.0 crown, there's also a the female yeah. 2.0 crown, wasn't there, Christy? It was. She went so out. placed nice. yes, by Adley Gordon. Now, Christy has now the 1.0, the original Goat Loop crown, and she's now got the 2.0. 47 minutes I think she came in on, which places her high up on the overall leaderboard. But then an interesting idea came up, didn't it, of of it's another it. concept, Goat Loop Grand Slam. Yeah, for, so – Anyone that can get every single goat loop from one, just the standard single loops, but 1.0, 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, and 5.0, if you can hold them at the same time, then that kind of is like having the four majors in, in tennis. It's the grand slam. That's right. I think that's going to be pretty tough. And I think, like, and I was
1: talking about this on the weekend, I think on the male side, almost impossible unless Matt Hauser yeah. decides that he wants to go and get all the other crowns. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think many people are going to break his crown but i think on the female side christy's got an absolute great chance of doing this she just needs to go out and run 3.0, point and i reckon she could have all five potentially
0: she and would, that'd be really cool she would etch herself into immortality on the goat loop wouldn't it to, to have the grand slam all five like, as he said because I, I can't see anyone beating matt's time and i can't see matt pushing out to a, to do the, to no. the 20k maybe he will maybe in the years to come he will after triathlon but um but christy's also got man maker widow maker and lazarus as well two two
1: goat loops three goat loops and four goat loops. she's got the crown for that too so she'll that'll be what eight
0: crowns (laughs) on the goat loop she could potentially have yeah 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 the grand grand slam for christy so christy if you're listening we'd love you to have a bit of a go at it um talk to your coach if you can get it put into your plan and we'll go from there but uh, yeah, let's go through a couple of races, uh, Kyle. Um, let's go back a week and a half. So yeah, the run GC was the was the second event in Travis Island lead up, Travis Islands lead up to um, the GC50, which is coming up at the end of the year. So this was a 10k uh, 10k race, 5k out, 5k back. Bit of a, a almost double the numbers, which was great. I think he had 34 at the first one, and he said he had close to 60 or 70 at this one. So that's great. People are jumping on board. Uh, this free event down at and Gutter every month, which is all. Awesome. So uh, let's go through the females. So Shelley Coleman, I think she won the 5K as well a month ago, so yeah, she's backed 22. it up there. 43 minutes 31 for Shelly. Uh, Pip Bell, she got second in 45 minutes 30 seconds, and Jill Gardner third, 46.15 for the female. Uh, we had invited then a few more males along, and um, again, quite stupidly, I invited people who would just jump in front of me. So um, – <laughs> So the, the male race at the front turned out to be quite interesting and uh, and really quite good because there was a couple of smaller little groups which formed. Uh, so third place, Henry Coombs, 36.58, just ducked under the 37. Luke Kilbourne, this was a, a great run. You said he's got this in him. Um, I was blown away by how much faster this was in his 10K race on the track uh, a couple of weeks ago at the Queensland uh, Championships. 34.09, and yourself, Kyle, ducked under the 33 again, 32.57. Is that, is that almost identical to your 10K? I think I was one second, one second slower than what I ran on the track, yeah. which, and that's
1: what I said when we talked about it on the last episode, I was really interested to see what it felt like on the road versus on the track and how much yeah. difference there was. I didn't feel like there was much difference. That run yeah. felt just very similar to the track one. So I don't know. Again, I don't do much running on the track, but I didn't feel like for me, Well, anyway, that track at Runaway Bay felt that much quicker than running on the road. And I wore the next percent for both. And I reckon, and I've spoken to a few people about this, is I feel like I get more out of it on the concrete, like on the hard bitumen and kind of on the road than I did on that track at Runaway Bay. Now, the track at Runaway Bay is fairly soft as far as tracks go. I think if I ran on the Griffith track, um in the next percent i'd find them quicker but i sometimes i actually found on the track at runaway bay it was almost too soft like it was a soft shoe on the soft track that you almost felt like you were bouncing a little bit too much versus kind of hitting the ground and getting that really stiff spring off um so i actually felt like i got more out of the shoe running on the paths last weekend weekend before than i did on the track and it kind of probably showed in the times that Even like obviously on the track, I had people to run behind and kind of pace off, whereas that one I was pretty much by myself the whole time. But it didn't feel like it was any harder to run that pace, which was quite interesting
0: to compare the two. And so the next one, isn't there? The next one's coming up at the end of this month, end of September, uh, 21K. Now, I know Travis is toying up two options for the course, whether he does a 10K loop and then tags on a 1.1 at the end um, or whether, as you suggested, he does a 10.25 no, 10.5K loop. Five, five. Two k would be yep. spot on. To make it. It's just a case of whether people want to do an extra kilometre at the end of two loops. Uh, I think I'd prefer just to just make it 10.55. 5. So I agree. Cross over that finish line, there you're done. Yeah. I agree. So, uh, so yeah, it was good. Another great little hit out there um, for, for Travis Island's um, event. And yeah, If he can get down for the 21K, that's great. And then I think he's got another 10 kilometre in October um late october i think and then yeah it's onto gc50 which uh is building momentum i've seen they brought out the singlets and the shirt designs and gee they look good they look, look really good, good. i'm they excited to get my cool. hands on them yeah really yep. good absolutely so uh so yeah let's have a, have a bit of a look at a, another concept which is happening uh coming up october the 17th kyle we've got biggs global backyard ultra the last one standing now we mentioned this in a podcast the last podcast we did where Basically, the concept is, is that you have all these events around the world and an Australian team will run here in Australia. I'm not too sure our venue. It's got to be up here somewhere. It must be. It must. I think it must be. That's why they're only inviting people from kind of this area. So I think we'd have to select six or seven or something like that runners from Australia and they all keep running. Um, and we did discuss last time that Lazarus Lake, his idea is that once... Once you have one person left in your race that you're doing, then that is the race finish. That person doesn't continue against people from the rest of the world. So the idea is interesting, isn't it? And I love the fact that he said that the reason he makes the event stop in Australia once we only have one person is that you need to be able to look to the person next to you and see what's in their eyes, see whether they've got fear in their eyes or whether they're enjoying this or whether they've got more. He says you need to have that person next to you. And once you don't, then your team, your nation is done. So, it opens up a lot more of a team ethic, doesn't it? I know there's a team concept, they've said, which comes into Last One Standing, um, but this takes on a really different, you know, element, doesn't it, that you have to get two or three people that are continuing to run lap after lap after lap because otherwise your country's finished.
1: What do and you I make of it? it I, I like it because it's also it, – it, I think it's going to be really deflating for them all because normally if you're running these on your own and it's two of you left and someone drops out – The person's, I suppose, in one sense probably relieved that it's over, but if they wanted to try and hit a certain mark, they'd be disappointed they have to stop, but they get the win. Whereas now, if the second last person drops out, then that person not only doesn't get the win, their whole team's out and they have to stop. So if your country doesn't win, there'll be people on every single team who are going to finish going, I was ready to keep going, I had to stop and I didn't win. So that'll be even more deflating. So only one person, I suppose two people in the world are going to finish this thing and everyone else is going to lose even if some of those people could have kept going with them. So I'll be interested to see kind of what the dynamics like. Um, but I love the idea of the team concept going that you kind of want everyone to keep going as long as possible. And i would be interested to see whether there's any kind of like pacing help or, you know, things like that within the team as far as they're not just going to run off at their own pace. They're probably going to stick together in teams and try and get as many people through the laps As possible, So I doubt you'll see, you know, someone running off and running 30, 35-minute laps and someone running 45, 50. I reckon they'll all kind of run together a little bit more, which I I don't know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But I like it. I like the concept. I I like new things like this where they're kind of trying to get a bit innovative and come up with new concepts to keep things interesting. And I'll be paying attention to this. I'll be following along,
0: absolutely watching how this goes. Definitely. So October 17 is the date um, that is – so they've, they've chosen for it, and AAA Racing are putting it up on because I think they're obviously hosting it for Australia. So they're putting up little athlete profiles. So if you haven't seen uh, what AAA Racing are doing, jump onto their Facebook because they've released three names so far. And rather than they said, rather than releasing the whole team, they're going to kind of drip feed this to us over the next week or so, which is really exciting. So the first person they announced was Cam Munro, second in 2019, second in 2020, only just recently. So the last one standing that Ryan Crawford one. So Cam, obviously, a lot of experience in this. He's done BVRT as well, hasn't he? Um, So he's a great person to have on the team. Uh, The next person they announced was Susanna Harvey-Jamison, who, uh, according to their stats, six times Australian representative, four times finisher of Costa Kosciuszko, and uh, fourth female at Badwater as well. So um, they had a little quote on there that when they asked her whether she would like to be involved, I think she said, you know, that's a, ridiculous question you know the answer to that so she was always going to be in this um someone you want on your team yeah and then uh the third person they released i think i only just saw this yesterday was john pearson uh they've got him down as Costa kosiosko winner um four-time winner at glasshouse over the varying distances whether that's 100k or 50 mile or 50k um and i think they said as well that he's actually racing at glasshouse in a couple of weeks as a nice lead up to uh to the last one standing, so they're the three that they've announced so far: Cam, Susanna, and John. So that's that's a. I mean, I I've got no idea who they're up against. So they those stats are amazing. That's but right. Who knows? There could be people all over the world who are in these teams who have stats just as good. I mean, who knows? It's, it's going to be, be interesting to it?
1: see who they get. And I suppose the big thing is whether Ryan's going to go back and join this team. But this will be two weeks after Brisbane Trail Ultra, Yep. which is other, another one coming up. So that'll be interesting to see whether. He accepts I say he will, the way he races and how quickly he turns around and backs up for things. I'd yeah. be very surprised if he doesn't jump on this team unless he's got something else planned post Brisbane Trail Ultra. So that might be his little warm up event for for this.
0: Yeah, and we and we know around the world that or well, the ones in Australia, they've kind of what was what was the last one, thirty six laps, 36, 37, six, thirty seven wasn't it? I think last year at, at the Clint Eastwood, it was about forty laps, I think, if 42, I remember. I think, yeah, just over forty. But we know around the world that the other last one. standings have gone way further than that, have got a lot yeah. further. So, you know, what's America going to throw up? What's Canada going to throw up? Or Europe or the, the places in Asia? Like, um, who knows? Who knows? It'll be Starting. a phenomenal concept to watch. And we know how low-key Lazarus is about uh, about things and about televising things and about putting results up as they happen, but surely this is one where, he's going to have to have some some very very powerful internet machine behind him because people are going to want to know all over the country you know let's let's say the seven runners from 20 20 countries 20 or 30 countries if they get that yeah you know, there's 100 200 runners that we're going to want to be following aren't we so um yeah, he's gonna. He's, surely, he's gonna have some sort of social machine behind him. He's
1: got to have. I, I'd say they'll have something, but I'll be interested. And I know when they did the one, they did the virtual one, that it was kind of everyone on their own, like Zoom meetings, kind of, so they could see where yep. everyone was to make sure they're in the start and finish area. That they'll probably do something similar, but I'd love to see, like, kind of take a leap out of the Wings for Life World Runs book, where they've got you know split screens of people running in all different countries at the same time. It's a similar concept, and you can kind of follow along the race. looking at different people in different areas even though they can't see each other you can see both of them and see where they're at so if they can come up with something like that i it it's almost a good spectator sport as far as running goes because you could every hour there's a new race and a new story and it's just like a race every hour really between all these countries
0: so they could do a lot with it if they wanted to be great to have reporters on the ground wouldn't it just uh just talking through it. obviously not giving too much away you wouldn't want to give too many details away to other countries about how your athletes are feeling but It'd be great, wouldn't it, just, you know, while that loop is happening to be able to check in and and go to Japan or go to France or go to, you know, to England or to Canada or somewhere in Africa or Brazil and just find out how those athletes are going and what the conditions are like, what's the weather's like, you know, has it changed, you know. And obviously with the time difference, there's going to be some people running through midday when other people are running through midnight. and That's exactly right. It'll be interesting then
1: like what country, what's the best time zone to be and when they start because generally these races tend to go for say around that, like the top ones will go 60 hours or so. Whether yep. you'd want to be getting to 60 hours kind of in the middle of the day where you're feeling good when other teams might be in the middle of the night at 60 hours to finish this yep. thing off, it'll be interesting So I don't know what time of day they're starting our time. Um, I don't know if that's been announced yet but, yeah, that'll be another concept that, there'll be you know, everyone is in different weather conditions could be pouring rain and minus five degrees somewhere and 35 yeah. degrees and sunny in other areas
0: so oh, look it's if, be if i if i was lazarus i would skew everything to the american one if that's if that's my home country like if i was organizing it here i'd make i'd say to the australian guys and girls when do you want to start what time yep. and just the rest of the world i'm sorry you know we've all you jump in when we say you jump in so um yeah that'll be great <laughs> So uh, the other race that happened, Kyle, a little bit of cross country style racing was uh, "Flirt with Dirt." We did. They had we the had first the flirt first, with dirt first race, race was back in about March, wasn't it? And now Steve's managed to get the second race happening. Um, so you got a couple of results there for us from the "Flirt I with do. Dirt."
1: So this was down at Mudra Bar, kind of, and it actually looked like I saw a bit of drone footage that that was done, and it actually looked like quite a nice little course, kind of running around there. It was a beautiful little area. So there was four different distances. So we had the one mile race, one point six k. Um, there was a 3K, a 6K, and a 9K. So in the 1.6K, now we were just chatting about this off-air before, it's almost like the second generation of runners are coming through because in the in the females one, we had in third place, we had Summer Furley, who's Briton Albee's daughter. She was third. She ran eight minutes. Kiana Foster ran 7.20. That's Simon Foster's daughter. And then Grace Coombs took the win in 7.19, one second ahead. I don't know if that was a hand-holding finish that they just split the results or whether there was a sprint finish there, but... Yeah. Grace came in first in the female. So again, all, and then Kaya Baxter was fourth. So we've got another one there. One of Simon's other daughter, Sahara, she was in sixth. We had Zali Christie's daughter in ninth. So it was a real family affair in the, in yeah. the one mile race in the girls. Um, and then in the male 1.6, we had Daniel Foster was third in 6.25. One second ahead of him, we had Finn Baxter, who we both know, who ran our 3000th goat loop. He ran six twenty four and two seconds ahead of that. We had Evan McBride who ran six twenty two, so they were all within three seconds of each other. The top three males in the mile race. So that's some that's some exciting running for the for the one mile race. And the, three, it is, yeah, isn't it? Right. How good's that? Really good to see. Um, and then we had the three k race. So we had some pretty good times running the three k race. Actually, so we had Madeline McPherson was third in twelve twelve for the girls. We had Naini Mollin, Malell. I've said that completely wrong, but that's okay. She ran 11.20. One second ahead, Pascal Foster, 11.19. So another kind of sprint finish in the 3K for the ladies. And then on the male side, now there's some very fast times run here. So third place was Ryan Pike in 10.49. Joel Abbott, 10.34, came second. Blade Rose ran 9.13 to take the win in the 3K. So that is very fast running for a little cross-country course of 3k so great right, that's that's probably I looking at the results probably almost run of the day so to run 9.13 on a cross-country course is yeah. very very impressive running and then we had kind of moved up to the the bigger distances we had a lot more of the adults kind of running in this side. we had the the 6k so in the ladies in third place we had Kath Anderson in 30.09 second place we had Brooke Flesser, who ran 28.49, and Shelly Coleman took the win in 27.59. So Shelly's been winning races left, right, and centre at the moment, so I think she's won almost everything she's gone in lately. She's doing very, very well. Um, And then in the males for the 6K, we had Colin Evans was third in 28.13. We had Phil Sogard in 25.11. And then we had Sienga Kuyan in 2503. I've probably said half of those names wrong as well, but well done to everyone in the the 6k. The big one, the main event, the long one, we had the 9k. So in the ladies for that, Roxanne Robinson, who comes and runs with the now run group on the Monday morning, so she's done very well coming back off an injury recently. She's got third place in 5041. Jess Wostel ran 4606 to take second, and Stephanie Wilton, who I know at some point has had at least the man maker crown just ahead of Dana on the goat loop. She yeah. ran 43.30 and took the win. So ran really well there. She's won by two and a half minutes in that race. So good running by the ladies in the in the 9K. And then in the male race, third place, we had Dan Bennett, ran 42.41. Second place, we had Reese Drummond, who ran 39.23. So that's good running by Reese. Um, and in first place, we had Joss Rossington, and Josh ran 37-52, so he won by a minute and a half in the 9K. So good running all round by everyone. I think everyone looked like they had a really kind of good time down there, which was really good, looked like a good family-friendly event. And obviously the third round in that, which will be at Emerald Lakes, I believe. I don't know yes. if I've got a date on when, if that's changed, if Steve's announced when the date is for that, but that'll be coming up quite soon I would say as well so for anyone that's kind of looking to to get into a bit of the trail running cross country something a little bit different there's obviously distances for kind of everyone that's just starting out or you know wants to run a little bit further Um, Mm. perfect event perfect little event if you're kind of tossing up to start getting into a bit of off-road stuff it's a lovely little transition from the roads across to the off-road world
0: absolutely and uh, I mean cross country is a great 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 event and a great idea and something which I think a lot of people should maybe invest a bit more time into because um, it is so good and so enjoyable and you get to race on different courses. And I saw a couple of questions come out before Flirt With Dirt about shoes to race at cross country. Um, and I think, they I mean, unless you got, you know, specially made spikes that often elite runners will do for cross country, um, if it's wet and, and you know, muddy and things like that, obviously your shoe comes into it. But I think for most people, you've just got to wear the lightest possible shoe that you can get through for me it's i just basically wear my old racing flats you know the ones that I used to wear for 5k um i haven't seen too many people go out there with you know zoom flies or vapor flies or uh next percent or whatever but it'd be interesting to see it the queensland titles are on this weekend so it'd be interesting what people are wearing um cross-country as I said, generally is basically get away with the lightest possible shoe that you can get away with um even if that isn't spikes, it can be a racing flat. And I, I'd be interested to know from Steve Jackson how bang on that three kilometre loop was. Because one of the things that people love and hate about cross country, it's a bit like triathlon. That you know the run leg in triathlon sometimes a three yep. k, it can be two point eight, it can be three point two, or it can be three point four. You know, um, cross country when they say three thousand metres, it can be anything but three thousand metres. So uh, hopefully. <laughs> Knowing Steve though, he's pretty accurate. So around, I, imagine yeah, it I reckon it would much, have been
1: pretty much spot on. I reckon he would have measured that quite, quite accurate.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, but yeah, they can be a bit like triathlon. You know, I've I've run some phenomenally quick five kilometer uh, legs in triathlon, and then get home and you realize it was like four point two, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. That makes That's sense. why the absolutely triathletes perfect.
1: always run around saying they're so quick. They go, oh, they're tri- all their triathlon times, and it's like it's easier on a fast five k when you only got to run four and a half. I
0: know I'd run a fast five k time too. <laughs> Exactly. So, as I said, this weekend is the uh, the Queensland Cross Country Championships. Um, I'm jumping in the Masters event. Um, so, the Masters is for 35 years and up. So, you've still got a bit of a, a way to go, Kyle, before you jump in there. But uh, the, the Masters breaks down, I think, into five-year five jackets, five but they're going to run us all together, which is great. Um, so, this is out at Limestone Park at Ipswich. They've got a two-kilometre loop out there. A one-kilometer loop and a three-kilometer loop. So most of the the older age athletes, I think we're running six thousand meters, eight thousand meters, or ten thousand meters. So basically, it's a loop course. So for for my age group, for masters, we're running eight thousand meters, which is four two-kilometer loops, which is going to be so good. It's going to be awesome to to see, um, and to be into. I saw Paul Shard in a training session. He ran the two-kilometer loop. I saw it on his Strava, and I was trying to fi- I was trying to find the elevation because. I know Limestone Park quite well, and it looks like the start of it takes us up the hill. Um, So I'll be interested. I'm going to get out there a bit early, maybe an hour, an hour and a half early, and have a bit of a look, check out the course. Not that it's going to make much difference to me. I mean, you've got to run it. Um, But yeah, so that's going to be great. So I'm really looking forward to it. But uh, I went through the start list uh, for uh, for the open men and women and just had a look at a couple of names. Now, I couldn't find the results from last year, but we looked at who went through to the nationals last year um and tim vincent and louis mcafee were you know the two standout performances for queensland at the national so they're back this year so you'd imagine that they'll be at the front um yeah probably with quite a few few teammates around them um a few other runners on there we recognize from the road racing and from track racing but tim and louis if they're racing probably be the two favorites you would imagine um yeah, you you Carl, your name was down on there, but we're not sure whether you're racing no, or I whether don't you're
1: think I'm be racing. Um, I was initially like we talk about kind of tossing up going up there. Um, but just the way it's worked with work and everything like that, um, not going to happen. So I might do my own little workout later in the afternoon back yep. here on the coast. Uh, but no, and, I won't be there.
0: And then in the female one, um, again, pretty much I looked through the list of um of names and some we recognised from the ten thousand meters a couple of weeks ago at, at Runaway Bay. Without um, Genevieve Gregson, she is overseas racing at the moment, so she won't be there. So, again, the two that kind of jumped out for me were the two track runners who, who finished second and third behind us. So That's Cara and Ryan. She was second, the 10,000. And Katinka von Elsten and uh, Welsted. she was third. So, you'd basically, you'd probably say that if they can transition well to cross-country, which you can't always do as a track runner, but they would be the favourites. There's a few other um, females there who are in there uh, mid to early twenties, who I remember when they used to race at the you know South Coast Trials for for high school cross country and things like that. So uh, it'll be interesting. We'll have a full wrap of, of the results and tell you how it went. But yeah, if you can, uh, I think we're yet yeah, um, nominations have closed. Queensland Athletics closed it at a week before, so you can't you jump in last minute. But um, certainly think about it for next year when they jump up. You know, Brisbane has a great cross country running scene. We don't have one down here on the Gold Coast, unfortunately, but Brisbane has a wonderful one. Sunshine Coast used to have a good series. Um and yeah, you know, Queensland athletes put on their championships all the time, so um, it's great. And you know what, the cost was was dirt cheap, Carl. Fifteen dollars to jump that's in right. the Queensland titles—that's great. And we know the ones in Brisbane are volunteer-based. Uh, so that's through Queensland Running. Uh, that it's it's manned and you know, stationed by volunteers, and that's only sort of three, four, five dollars to to enter on those particular days. So it is a cheap way to get some good racing. Often they're afternoon races, which is a bit different as well. Um, obviously, they're all on grass and trails and things. And I don't know. It's just – it's fun. It's fun. And it's – you know, if you are a road runner, you're a trail runner, you got nothing to lose by jumping in these things. Um, no, that's exactly and, right. And because it's a bit – it's so much like trail running in the fact that time almost becomes irrelevant. You have to just go on perceived effort. Like you, you know what your 9 out of 10 or your 10 out of 10 pace is – um, because if it's a course at Limestone, if they take the hills into it, it's going to be slow. But if they don't, it's going to be quick. And, you know, when someone looks at your Strava time, they got no idea what this race is like because they got no idea of the course. And it's, you know, it's not, it's not a flat 8K. It's going to be up and down potentially. So, uh, so that's what I love about cross country as well, a bit like trail running, that the courses are so different.
1: Well, every race is different.
0: Them. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's more of a race. It's
1: about the racing. It's about racing other people versus racing the clock because every course yeah. is different and no one, time, like you said, becomes kind of irrelevant. It's literally you versus the person in front of you. And I think, I don't know what it is about cross country. It's not so much like that on the track or on the road, but whenever you're kind of running down that finish route, there's always the, I've got to get part of that person who's in front of me. I want oh, that yeah. spot. Whereas it doesn't seem like road running, not so much because everyone's going against the clock. They're all going for PBs in their own personal time. Whereas in cross country, it's purely about, okay, I've got to try and get up to the next place. It's all kind of placing. So there is always those sprint finishes and little battles you get to have with people because it's about racing the person that's
0: around you, which is awesome. Yeah, And you you see see those videos, don't you, on on Facebook of of people hauling themselves across the finish line and collapsing. And you're right. It is about that place because cross country is very much not an individual sport. It is so team-based. And the big races they have in Europe and America, it is all team-based. And I love the way that they do cross country scoring is that, if you finish first, you get one point. You finish second, you get two points. Third gets three points. So basically, it's the lowest amount of points that you can get the team. So, um, and often in cross-country as well, maybe only your first four or five runners will actually get points. But that, even if you are the 10th runner for your team, you then become one of those who can bump a fifth runner from another's team back a spot. So at, when I was coaching... Um, cross-country running at school we used to call them stealers or bumpers you know because they would steal points from other teams um and that's why you see those people in 50th place just giving it their absolute all because you know it could come down to two or three points for the championship overall championship it is it's so much fun i can't i can't describe how much fun it actually is to do but i was looking at my age group um the 40 to 44 year old age group it's it's stacked i'm in a lot of trouble (laughs) <laughs> I'm looking forward We've to seeing it. I'm looking oh, forward to the results coming through. The names I can think off of at the top of my head, Clay Dawson's in that one. Um, yep. Andrew Day's in that one. Uh, Michael Cachola's in that one as well. Um, Daryl Hill's in that one. So Michael Cachola okay, last you year. You work that out. Yeah, well, Michael Cachola made the Open team last year, didn't he, and went to Nationals <laughs> as part of the Open team. So that's going to be a fast race with those boys at the front. Um Thank goodness they're putting us in with some of the older age groups, but even the yeah. older age groups are going to be quick. I'm, I can see myself sitting very mid pack here. It's all right, mid um, right. Just biding my time and waiting for that, uh, waiting for the last loop. How much is that third lap going to suck, though, for us? Four, yeah, two, four well. 2K loops. That third lap is going to be just
1: horrendous. Yep. But it'll be Especially good. if there's hills in there because you know exactly what's coming on the third and the fourth lap. <laughs> there's no yeah. surprises. Yep. No,
0: so. So, yeah, so those are the races that are sort of coming up, but we've got some other big events, haven't we? Talk us through the Gold Coast Bulletin Fun Run, Kyle, which is yeah. this weekend. So that's this Sunday, and for the first time, they're actually having a marathon
1: distance there. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, this course is a little bit of an out-and-back. It's about 10Ks, obviously, so the 10K does one lap, half marathon does a couple of laps. I believe, as far as what I know, the marathon's going to be doing four laps of that. I haven't looked really in-depth at the course, but I'm assuming it's going to be a multi-lap course of their normal course. Yeah. Um, Obviously, at the moment, with all the restrictions and everything, well, they've obviously got their COVID safe plan in place. So they're able to have a fairly decent-sized event, which is really good. Um, the one person I'm really interested and in, excited to watch here is, from what I've seen as of last night, Rob Clark posted that he's going to be running the marathon and going for a PB. So that'll be really exciting to see kind of what type of time he can throw down. He's obviously been training quite well, um, but he did post that he wants a PB, so we could be looking at quite a fast time on the cards in the marathon. So also- I'm excited to see you know, how he goes in that and kind of watch him run that. Awesome, that's great.
0: Uh, have you done that course before? Have you? Have you no, really? I've
1: never. I've never. Like I've run there. I know what the course is, but no, I've never actually raced. Raced on that course. So, and I don't know if they're still finishing in the stadium. Normally, they finish in bus Super Stadium. So, I don't know whether they're still going to finish in the stadium or not this year. I'm assuming they are. Um, yeah. But it's a it's a great event. Again, there's not many yeah. marathons happening at the moment. So the fact that there's a marathon on, if anyone wants to jump in last minute, I'm assuming entries are still open for last minute entries. Um, yeah. There's actually a road marathon and half marathon on. There's not many of those on at the moment, so... No, that's right. It is an interesting a race.
0: There's a couple of little pinchy hills um, halfway on the loop and then it sort of rolls when you get out the back. Uh, but, yeah, so the Bulletin Fund runs on. Uh, as you said, Queensland Cross-Country Championships on Saturday this week. Uh, and then the week after, Glasshouse, the 100-miler, the 100K, the 50K, which by all accounts is often a bit more than 50. Um, and I think... I think there's a 30. Yes yeah, there's is. Is a 30 as well. Um so that's going to be great. Uh, so sorry that's going to be great. Um, I'm doing the 50k. I'm heading up for the 50k. So um what's your knowledge of Glasshouse Kyle? Uh, it's good. I've raced I've raced a couple of 50ks up there. Um,
1: there's certain parts of it that are really fast and then there's other parts that are a little bit more kind of sandy and technical and there's a few more hills in it. So obviously I believe the 50K is actually running on the eastern loop. Now that's where the 100 miler used to run. So you used to do a combination of the western loop and then the eastern loop. Then um, they're going back to the original course, which is really cool for the 100 miler. So I think a lot of people are going to be excited that they've got both loops back in as well. So from what I've seen, you'll race on the eastern side, which is around kind of the wild where the Wild Horse Criterion and those races run, um, which I think is a little bit hillier than the western side. Um, I've only raced on the western side. So from what I know, though, like it's a beautiful place to run just because it's quite open and runnable in most sections. So you can get into a nice rhythm and actually run, although you just want to make sure that you know where you're going, especially in the dark for you, having to run the first two and a half hours in the dark 3am uh, start, I don't know whose
0: idea that was, but interesting, <laughs> really I'm glad are
1: not is.
0: doing it. Yeah, you're right, we are running the um, the eastern part of it, um, which is sort of checkpoints 9 and 10 for the 100 miler, so uh, yeah, they're on the Saturday morning, aren't they, the 100k and the 100 miler, and then the 50's on the 3am, done by breakfast, I time think for the reason,
1: Well, I think they've, the cutoff for every race is midday Sunday, so I think they've yeah. just purely started the 50k, so that the cutoff is a reasonable length cut off and they finish everyone's cutoff is midday versus starting it at 5 a.m and then the cutoff having to be in the afternoon yeah but no exciting right. times so I think you've yeah. been drawing up some competition for yourself to knock yourself off the podium which is good so <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how that unfolds yeah okay, they could all get lost they could all get lost
0: you've got to just keep running like you everyone's gonna get lost <laughs> it'll be good I mean you, you you, do, you want the best potential runners to be there, don't you, to make the best day uh, possible for yourself and everything else. Um, so, yeah, I've been trying to encourage people to go into it. Um, you know, I, I know I run my best when there's other people around as well, so I'd, I'd love uh, to have some people around me or in front of me to chase or people just behind me that are, you know, putting a bit of pressure on. Um, as I said, for me, it's taken on a bit more importance because obviously UTA is no longer there. Um it's strange though, because it was always just gonna be a kind of like a training run for UTA. Um, yeah. so I'm I'm I haven't quite yet switched mentally to well, this is a race that I really want to run hard. I think that'll come hopefully in the next in the next week, uh, maybe after cross country this weekend. I reckon but. if
1: you go in with that mindset, you'll probably end up running better. I think that's like sometimes you have your best races when you're going and going, Okay, this is just to go out for a good long run, get on my nutrition, hydration stuff right. You'll tend to pace it way better and you'll probably find you'll end up running just as well. Versus yeah. going into that mindset of, oh, I'm racing in that first two hours, going out too hard, and then you know just jogging home that last 10K. So I reckon if you go in with that mentality, I reckon you'll end up running probably better than you will if you're going, going, I've really got to race this hard. Which yep. is, I think, listen, a lot of people can take that they often, a lot of people try to race, they go in with a racing mentality, and then that first hour they've done all done or undone all their good training by going out too hard and then just try and slog home. So I reckon, yeah.
0: I think I think that three a.m. start might actually help that as well because you aren't. I think you you know we often run a little bit slower in the dark, so um, I think it will actually lend for maybe a better day, a better pacing day. So I mean, look, I'll be I'll be good. My training runs have been you know it's pretty good so far, through into the high thirties. Uh, I did one forty k one, so I feel I've, if I can pace it, I I think i will I feel like I'll, I'll be pretty good. What's your um, What's
1: your prediction? I know you've obviously got times in your head. What are you thinking? What's your goal? I see, I, I
0: mean, the course elevation is 1,200 metres, which we did that on Sunday in the space of 28 kilometres. So I don't I don't know how flat it is. I mean, I've heard people, I've never raced at Glasshouse, so I've heard people say it's quite sandy and often it's quite flat, but there are segments where it isn't actually that quick going. Um, I looked at a few times of people who I think maybe I can run around from last year. So uh, I don't know, if I, if I can go into the fours. Mid to high yep. fours, I'd be I'd be very very happy with that. As I said, I I really don't know because I think there's a potential that I could go out too hard and really just. I think one of two things could happen. I'll go too hard and I'll end up limping at home because it's 50k and it's not 100k. Or the opposite will happen, is that I'll go too slow, and you know I'll have to make up time at the back end. But yeah, I'd I'd be very happy to to run it solidly to be able to run that last five to six kilometers quicker than I ran anything else. I think that would be yeah. a good mark of the day for me. Because I think um, just probably. looking at the
1: course again, do you go up the climb right at the start? Do they send you up Beer Barham up the road? Right, I'm sure you do that before you, you start and go up the hill and then turn around and come back down and then head out onto
0: the eastern loop. Do you do that part? Do not sure. When I, looked, when I looked at the Strava from last year of people, uh, I'm not too sure how... Cause I'm, exactly sure they, I'm sure they changed it I was
1: having a look at it the other day and I know that they used to do it in the 100 miler where you start from the school and literally run straight up the side of the mountain go to the top and then turn around and come back down and then head out on the flat parts Yeah. so I don't know whether you do that because that at the end of the day that's almost probably the perfect start for you because it's going to force you to potentially either hike up that hill or just ease into it the first few k's before you start building it up a little bit yep. um, but anyway yeah that'll be interesting to see where they actually do go because I'm sure I did look on the map that they do have that little up and back up the climb.
0: Yeah. So potentially, yeah. I don't know, I guess we'll see. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I've been up there and, and watched it a fair few times and I've crewed a few people up there many years ago for, for the 100K. Um, but yeah, I've never actually done it myself. So it'd be great. It'd be awesome. But apart from that, um, yeah, we'll do a bit of a recap on those in a couple of weeks time. Um, October, there's some big races and big ultras in October. Um and yeah, no sign of Parkrun yet, which is a bit of a shame. But no. know, that, must, that must be a 2021 thing. Um, but yeah, anything else, Kyle? Oh, actually, before no, we, yeah, let's to give us a give us a quick one minute overview of your thoughts of London, the London Marathon.
1: Yeah. So yeah. obviously,
0: Kipchoge. well, I know it's going to be so, so
1: two two kilometer looped course. We're going to have Kipchoge versus Bikili in the front of them. I'm assuming there might be others that go with them as well. But the interesting thing will be to see how fit they are. I don't know, like I'm assuming they've been, they've kind of known for a while they're going to be racing this race. So I'm hoping they're in really good shape, but I think I don't really mind what time they run. I want to see them race. So I don't really, I don't necessarily care what time they run. I don't think they're, I'd, I'd be surprised if they broke the world record, but I'm more excited just to see, even if they run 203, if those two are together with 5k to go, like that's what I want to see. I want to see a group of them together and those two getting to race, which will be cool. But I'm excited just to have a big marathon coming up again soon. Because Obviously, we haven't had anything for so long. Um, yeah. So I'm excited to watch it. But I also heard this morning that the virtual London Marathon sold out. 45,000 people have registered to run the virtual London Marathon, which is oh. incredible. So is people still keen on running marathons regardless of whether there's races or not. So I think they'll still get their medal and all of that. But, yeah, 45,000 people have registered
0: for it incredible but no exciting times um yeah i mean i was, I'm, I'm a bit the same i don't really mind what time they run in fact it's a bit like when afl and nrl started to come back on in the premier league football i don't think anyone us cared how good the football was it was the fact that football was on and we got to watch football so i think the same applies for this we don't you know i don't really care if they run 210 208 206 whatever it is 201 we just want to see a pack of runners you know running hard and um and maybe a good finish at the end and you know I thought I mean I know London have come in for a fair bit of criticism how long they held back on on saying that the marathon wasn't on but I I you've got to give them praise for putting this on because this is this is gonna you know captivate the running world just for that particular day um, and it's gonna give, give us something to watch which is awesome so oh, well done I'm London to it. um but apart from that Kyle anything else for you before we wrap uh-huh. this up. Nothing
1: else kind of from me. I think I'll be ticking along similar. I've actually kind of bumped my Ks up the last three weeks, which has been good. I've been up around 100 Ks a week finally. I feel like everyone knows I've been ticking around at you know 80 Ks, 90 Ks kind of through the COVID times. Um, But I feel like I found kind of my rhythm with my running again. I feel like I'm back up at around 100 Ks and slowly building through that and feeling good. I don't really have any races necessarily planned, but I'm enjoying running a little bit more again. I think the big thing's pushing me is just to stay ahead of you for the year, make sure you don't catch me. I know we've been having a bit of a battle every week with how many K's we're running, and you got me by 800 wow. meters last week, which is not <laughs> great. Sunday <laughs> um, afternoon runs,
0: yeah, a little sneaky one. Uh, you'll get me this week, and you'll probably get me next week because with cross country and glass house, yeah, I think you will. You'll get me for the next fortnight. Um, but where are you on the rundown under map? Where are you I am
1: about... 65 Ks from Hobart, I think. So I'm almost on the most southern point of the rundown on the map. So I'm about to hit Hobart in the next week and then I'll make my turn, right-hand turn and start heading back and up north through Tassie. So I think I've got about 1500 Ks or just over 1500 Ks until I finish the map. And at this stage, it's looking like I'm going to finish. It'll be somewhere between, I think, GC50 and Christmas. So I think it's going to be sometime around mid-December. I'm kind yep. of, I am kind could easily try and finish on Christmas if I wanted to, but I don't think Trav's going to be overly keen on coming out for a 6 a.m. Christmas morning run to get the arch set up for me to finish finish the map. So I might have to push it, push it back to or push it forward to mid-December. And that that's
0: exciting. Be a bit and when you finish run down under the, the first loop, the original lap, where are you going to go then? Are you going to go to a smaller loop or are you going to do lap two? Well,
1: this is what I'm, 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 I'm tossing up. I think the two that I'm tossing up between is I'm either going to go to Europe or I'm going to do New Zealand. They're the two that I'm kind of tossing up between, more because I'm like there's only two short maps on all the maps for, for Run the World, and I'm going, Well, I'm running well, do I go and do another longer map first to get it out of the way before and leave the shorter maps for later, or do I do a shorter map now and do that? Because I said to Trav last week, we are talking about it, my kind of like lifelong goal is I want to try and finish every single one of his maps. Now, I know he's got a lot more maps in the pipeline, which is going to end up being probably 160, 170,000 kilometres. So I've got a yeah. long way to go, but that's kind of my long-term goal. So as far as goal setting, that's my long-term lifelong goal because I want to finish all of his maps. (laughs) So I've got a few decades to go, but I'm well on the way of finishing map one. I don't know. Absolutely. haven't decided yet. I'll
0: decide when I finish what I feel like doing. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, then. Well, uh, have a great week of of training and racing, everyone. And um, we might see some of you at uh, the races coming up. We won't be at the Balls and Fun Run, but if you are there, best of luck. Um, or if you're at cross country or if you're at Glasshouse, uh, we'll have a bit of a chat and talk about running with you so yeah thanks for checking in and we'll, we'll catch you in a couple of weeks see you then